Hello and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. Repeat after me. Today. Today. That's real good. Today. Today. The Holy Spirit Spirit is going to speak to me about revelation. revelation. After today, today, I will know know and fully understand understand that here at Embassy City, City, we place a premium premium on revelation. revelation. We need revelation. We We can't move forward forward without revelation. revelation. So So after today, when Tim breaks this down, I am going going to fall in love love with my Bible Bible like never before. before. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I want you to go to the book of John, chapter number one. The book of God, the book of God. (laughs) Well, John is gone, but he just went to heaven. He'll be back. John, chapter number one. Starting at the first verse, I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Again, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is simply Revelation. Okay, here's what it says in John chapter number one, starting at the first verse. In the beginning, the word already existed. (laughs) I love my nine o'clock because y'all are saved. (laughs) First five rows deep. Everybody's like, I know this. (laughs) Say something I don't know. I mean, y'all are. I love y'all. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. Don't get it twisted. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him. And accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. That's so good. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to receive revelation. Amen. 
John chapter number one is, uh, especially this passage, one through 18, it's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. The book of John is Juliet's favorite book in the entire Bible. Uh, Juliet can spend two and a half years reading the book of John and have only got to the chapter four. <laughs> like, I'm just digging through it. J John uh, and his relationship to Christ and how he writes about him is absolutely profound because John is uh, the beloved of Jesus. He was the one that was closest to him. There was an affection between he and Jesus that uh, would make us uncomfortable in 2019. When you hear about a man laying on someone's chest, another man's chest, and listening to the heartbeat of that man. I, I just want you to understand and have a con contextualization of, of John and his affinity for Jesus, that, that, that he, was, that, that he uh, loved him so much that he would literally just lay on his chest. But, but can you imagine that John was listening to the heartbeat of God? That, that before, before Jesus would even speak, when he got ready to speak, when he took the breath in to speak, John was already paying attention. Everybody else started to pay attention after he was speaking, but John knew when he was about to speak. I want to be close enough to God that I get quiet even when he's about to speak. What we know about John is that John lived longer than the other apostles. I think he was an octogenarian, big fancy word, just means he was in his 80s. <laughs> Y'all writing that down, octogenarian. He writes his gospel last. His gospel marinated the longest. By the time he writes, he doesn't give us the perspective of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. He gives us all three years of his earthly ministry. And I don't know if he had the other gospels to reflect upon, but there is something about John's gospel. Starting with the first words he decides to write that completely shifts the narrative of how the synoptic gospels are written. Matthew's writing to a, to a Jewish audience. He wants them to understand that uh, through the lineage of Abraham, the Messiah has truly come. The one that we have been waiting on has truly come. Through Mark's gospel, all we, all we get is this expedited 16 chapter, he's on the move, he's on, he's on the move, he's on the move, he dies, he, he, ris he rises, and you better follow. Luke's gospel is, is what you would expect from a doctor. It is incredibly thorough and gives us a, a picture of, of, of Jesus that, that we don't have up until that point. But when you read John's, John cuts to the chase. John's like, I'm not going through lineage. You know that. I, I, I could tell you. <laughs> I could tell you about all this stuff that's going on over here. 
But 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 I want to draw a line in the sand up front with my first verse. I want to make a statement that is so bold that Jewish people would have a complete understanding of where I'm getting to. And so will Greek people. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and we're not arguing about it. Everything I say from two to the rest of my entire uh, 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 gospel is just going to be supporting what I say in this first verse. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. I mean, he went, he, he took you straight to Genesis. He said, I'll fix this right now. I want to put this out there because I want you to have an understanding of who I know this person to be. This person is not just Logos. He is the Logos. He is God's word. And he says that, 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 that this word put on flesh and came down and dwelt among us and we beheld him. See, 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 I, I grew up, uh, I was born in 1975. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And, and some of the idioms and colloquialisms that were used when I was growing up uh, are different from what some of the kids use today. Uh, uh, one of the, colloquialism, the colloquialisms that we used to use growing up is, do you see what I'm saying? That was just one of the things we said when we just needed to know if you understood us. It means, do you understand? Right? Okay, you're in the boardroom, you say, do you understand? On the street, you say, you see what I'm saying? It means the same thing. I just, I just upgraded some, somebody in here. I don't know who it was. Y'all gonna use it today at, <laughs> when you order brunch. You see what I'm saying? I want... Chicken and waffles, okay. We didn't make that up. God made that up. God spoke from Genesis to Malachi and then put his word in the womb of a virgin girl. And when she gave birth to that baby, Here's what the strongest implication God was trying to make to the entire planet. You see what I'm saying? I just thought, I just think you should know that so you can have orientation. When God wanted you to see what he was saying, he put his word and in flesh and let it walk around on the planet Earth and said, do you see what I'm saying? I just need to, I just want you to know. Maybe God has a little street in him. I don't know. As a result of that, whenever you start talking about what it means to be a part of a local community, last week we talked about celebration. When we get in God's presence, we are going to celebrate. And I could, I could feel y'all turning it up in worship today. I'm like, oh, y'all listen last week. I was, I was up here and we were in worship. I was like, okay. Y'all went a little, okay. Y'all getting it. You're going a little bit out of your comfort zone. I love that. We're celebrating. But part of our culture and our DNA is that we love 
God's word. We love God revealing himself to us. That when we come to church on a weekend, we come expecting God to speak to us. We come expecting God to give us a revelation in his word that will help us get through the craziness of our lives. Whether we're at the most successful peak of our lives or whether we are in the darkest valley of our lives, we need a word from God's word for us to be okay. His word calibrates us to the seasons that we find ourselves in. So, so I, I want to answer uh, a question, uh, one question, but three answers uh, to a question so that you have an understanding of what it is that we do here at Embassy City Church. Again, celebration, revelation, invitation, and declaration are the things that we are about. Our weekend experience is going to have these four things. But today, as we talk about revelation, I want to just I just want to give you the question that we want to answer today. And it's simply this. Why does Embassy City love God's word so much? Why do we love his word so much? Ready for the answers? Point number one, please write this down. God's word is Jesus. That's why we love it so much. We, we, we love the written word because that written word was human and walked the earth. And we love what that word did for us. Here's what it says in John 114. So the word became human and made his home among us. Can I just pause right there? Uh, the, the, the word became human and made his home among us. That, that word in Greek literally means to pitch someone's tent. To, to, to literally tabernacle. Sound familiar? God said, I'm going to wrap myself up in flesh and I'm going to come down and dwell where you are. See, the Old Testament is nothing but the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so what happens is in the Old Testament, there are all these things that we call type and shadows that are pointing to the revelation of who Jesus is the culmination of. So, so even when you look in the Old Testament and, 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 and God says, hey, listen, uh, Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. Now, be careful how you build this tabernacle. You must build it according to the pattern I give you. Can I just stop right there? If it's a pattern, that means it already exists somewhere. God did not freestyle this tabernacle. He wasn't like, yeah, uh, give me a beat, uh, uh. Uh, I want goat skin. Uh, uh, I want, no. It was already a pattern of something. He, he, he said, he said, I want a tabernacle with you a couple of thousand years before I tabernacle with you. So you have to build this according to the pattern that I give you because I have a body coming and I want you to have a point of reference. 
His word became flesh. The word of God became flesh and, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. New King James says, full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So, so, so why, do, why does NBC City love God's word so much? Because God's word is Jesus. God's word is Jesus. We believe the Bible. We believe the Bible has the answers for our lives. Other people believe other books have the answers for their lives. But we stand on the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we stand on the word of God. And the things that we cannot comprehend, we do not try to amend. The things that we do not understand, we don't try to change scripture because we don't understand it. We understand that there are some revelations that come with time and there's some things that come in certain seasons. And if he's not giving me the revelation, I'm going to just stand pat. But I am not going to change what the book says because I'm frustrated because I don't have the answer yet. I'm going to teach this today. Here's what it says in Luke chapter number 24, number 27. Now, let me give you some context to this before I read it. Uh, this is after Jesus's uh, death, burial and resurrection. He's now just on this like little chill tour where he's just making cameo appearances to people. Hello. I just love that. Jesus is just so cool to me. Like you die, you get up. You look like a gardener. You just put, I mean, you just chilling hard. Right. No crown, just inconsequential. Put on some gardener clothes. OK. Show yourself to a couple of people. Walk through some walk through some locked doors and then sit down. Mm. Cook some fish for your disciples. You're just so nice, like resurrected and nice. Just Peter goes back to fishing. He's there with some hot coals in a skillet, just making fish for everybody. Quintessential servant. Even after glorification, even after even after death and burial, he gets up and he's still serving. Leadership 101. Get promoted. You're still going to be a servant. Jesus is, Jesus is teaching the whole time. OK. But, but, but on, on, on this day, he, he appears to two of his disciples that are uh, on the road of Emmaus. And they're walking and Jesus just appears to them. They don't even but they don't have a revelation of who he is at this point. And he's walking with them and then he says something. Y'all. Oh, my goodness. You know, you know how people say, hey, if you go to any point in time, where would you want to be and who would you want to meet? I would want to be one of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Because of this verse that I'm about to read you. This verse, oh my goodness, this verse, it gets to me every single time because I'm like, what did you tell them? And how did you say it? I'm trying to imagine, but oh, those two disciples, I need to holler at them. Luke chapter number 24, verse 27, here's what it says. As he was walking with them on the road to Emmaus, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. Explaining from some, explaining from a few, explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. <laughs> Can you imagine walking with Jesus and he's like, Genesis, that was me. Exodus, that was me. 
Leviticus, I know you're like, ew, that was me. <laughs> Numbers, that was me. Deuteronomy, that was me. Joshua, I was in there too. Judges, I, I mean, 39 books of the Old Testament, and I was there, and I was there, and that's me there, and you thought it was talking about that, that's me. And, 39 books of the old, all the scriptures, he just went through and was like, me, 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 it's all me, because that's me. Which makes Matthew chapter number four so absolutely ridiculous and absurd to me that Satan would come and tempt Jesus. And his second temptation, he would try to quote him. Well, the scriptures say, that, 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 that an, the angels will come and swoop you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. He's like, did you just try to use me on me? <laughs> you do know that the three temptations that, 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 that Satan brought to Jesus, he combated it with the word, with himself. He said, you're no match for me with me. It's too much me, so I'm stuck. The number one reason why we love God's word so much here at Embassy City Church is because God's word is Jesus. Point blank. Point number two, please write this down. Our belief in God's word makes us right. That's the second reason why we love God's word so much here, because our belief in that word is what makes us right. And let me explain this kind of right I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the kind of right that wins you an argument, right? I don't believe you can argue scripture with an unbeliever. You can only present it to them. It's not up for debate, right? And some people are like intellectual, they wanna attack it from an intellectual level, yay you, okay? I don't have enough college to do that. But what I do have is a belief in that word and that word has made me right. Again, not the type of right that wins an argument. Here's what it says in 1 John 1 and 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children <laughs> of God. Those of us that believe in his word, he gives us the right to become children of God. Here's what it says in Romans chapter number Three, starting at the 23rd verse. For everyone has sinned. Anybody beside me ever sinned? If I don't get 100% hand raises on this one, altar call will be for pride. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, some people try to use this verse to just be messy. Some people like to use this verse to, so that they would be undisciplined, so that they don't have to submit to accountability. But, but that's not what this is about. That, that, that's why you can never try to just take one verse and extract it out. Because the next verse is, is, is connected to it. It starts by this word, yet. That's a connector. God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. That's the kind of right I'm talking about. He did this through Christ. Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. See, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, in God's word, he makes us right with him. He puts us in right standing 
with him. Here's what it says in Romans chapter number five, verse number 21. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, now I love telling this testimony because, because it's the absolute truth, but in it being the absolute truth, sometimes uh, 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 believers, uh, uh, they, they, they go like, ah! like, what do you do? do oh, I don't know. Oh, it like fries the brain. OK, so so, you, you know, my testimony about about uh, being uh, abused as a child and, and then um, uh, getting into uh, pornography when I was 12 and then and then 19 being an addict and then 20 giving my life to Jesus Christ. And at and, and at 20 years old, I was a born again, justified, righteous porn addict. See, I told you, you guys. Are, oh. Being righteous is completely different than being free. Just let that marinate for a minute. People think that it's synonymous. It's not. He puts you in right standing. But freedom is a process that you have to start going through so that you can, so that you can enjoy the righteousness that he's given you. <laughs> He puts you in right standing because if he made you do an obstacle course of trying to go get right, then it would be by works. And if you would do it by works then you would feel real good about yourself. But it's the belief in God's word that makes us righteous. Then the Holy Spirit, as we yield to him, transforms our hearts and our minds so that we can walk out that righteousness in the freedom that he has purchased for us. When people get saved, on the day that they're saved, I, I, love, I love making this statement. You, you will never be more righteous than the day that you gave your life to Jesus. You haven't become more righteous. You haven't grown in righteousness. You haven't become more polished in righteousness. I got saved January 14th of 1996. That day I was made righteous positionally. I've been freer since that day, but I haven't been more righteous. God looks down, he goes, that, that, that guy's in right standing with me. And we would say, oh no, they got a lot to work on. Yeah, you do too. <laughs> By sheer virtue that you just made that statement. The righteousness is where we are positionally. The freedom is what we go through so that we can experience that righteousness and, and, and really celebrate it the way it's supposed to be celebrated, okay? So that's the reason why that we that's the reason why we love God's word so much. It makes us righteous. It made us right with him. Do you know how do you know how good that is? Do you know how good that feels to know that 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 placing your faith in Jesus Christ from that moment? He goes, you're in right standing. You can go talk to your dad right now. You can come boldly to the throne right this minute. But I have all this stuff. Go right there and talk to your dad about it. You don't have to hide from him like Adam and Eve did. You can come boldly into his presence because Jesus Christ made it possible by his sacrificial death on the cross. Point number three, please write this down. The reason why we love uh, uh, the word so much here at Embassy City Church is because God's word lasts forever. Now, I'm telling you, when I read you this verse, I am going to completely geek out. OK, bear with me. I was so hyped 
when I read this the other day. Then I shared it with my wife and she was like, anytime my wife gives me the stank face when I read her a verse, I know it's good. <laughs> because I was like, baby, baby, I gotta read you this verse. And I started reading the verse and she was like, mm. that is nasty. <laughs> nasty means good. Got it. So, <laughs> first Peter, Chapter number one, starting at the 22nd verse, here's what it says. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Can I, can I give you a newsflash? Do you know why you're going to live forever? Do you know why eternity is yours? Because his word is on the inside of you and his word is eternal. His, his word gets on the inside of you and, and that eternal part of his word that you believe in is why you're going to live forever with him. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. That's a, <laughs> I could just chill there for a minute. Because I just think it's a, uh, you know, I, everything I read, everything I hear, I see it. So to say that people are like grass, is that's a profound statement because I've seen a lot of grass. I've seen green, luscious grass, tall, thick, wild grass, perfectly manicured golf grass. That's the only thing I know to call it, just golf grass. <laughs> I, I, I've seen grass when it when it dries up. I've seen I've seen grass when it when it hasn't been treated uh, the way it needs to. When you look in some people's yard, you're like, oh man. They should do something. Since people are like grass, their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Listen. God's word lasts forever. That's why we come in here on a weekend. I, I, I don't come to give motivational speeches. I could do that at an Elks Lodge. I could, I could go on the circuit and, and go, man, you're gonna make it. You're amazing. Everything about you is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Lego movie. <laughs> I have kids. We, 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 don't, we don't gather on the weekend simply to be motivated. That wears off. We don't even gather on the weekend to be inspired. Because inspiration can wear off. 
There's only one thing that's not going to wear off. That's why I start in this book. I stay in this book and I end in this book because it's the only thing that's going to last forever. My opinions won't even last till next Thursday. <laughs> it's 102 degrees today. I'm never going outside again. Get a wind chill through here. 77. I'm going outside. Right. It's the word of God lasts forever. And that's why I'm constantly throwing the word of God at you. Because if you get his eternal word on the inside of you and you start standing on God's word instead of your opinions, the negative opinions of people that spoke into your spirit when you were a child, things will start changing in your life. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number six. Now, you know I'm a literalist, and so when I read things like I'm about to read now, I like to take it literally, okay? So, so, so this is the part of the message where you are going to shout with me what comes up on these screens. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number six. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? The instruction was simple. Shout that people are like grass. <laughs> Let me just stop. Of all the things to shout. Right? We love the verse, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And then this instruction comes, shout. Yes, Lord, what would you like me to shout? Shout that the people are like grass. People are like grass. What? Why would he tell you to shout that? He's trying to calibrate your thinking. Why would he tell you to shout that? Because he's trying to calibrate you to the only thing that really matters. So we're going to shout this together. Because, I mean, it says shout, so I think we should shout. Y'all ready? Shout that people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade loud, but the word that's the truth of why we love God's word. That's what we stand on. I remember. Uh, being in California and uh, preaching at my parents' church in 1996. I, didn't, I had no idea that the Lord wanted me to be a pastor or nothing. I was just, I got saved and I shared with my mom a thought I had and she looked at me and she said, you're going to speak next, next month. And I was like, why? <laughs> she was like, oh, no, 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 I want you to share that word with the entire church. I'm like, yeah. So I, I preached my first sermon five weeks after I gave my life to Jesus. Okay. And so uh, then they had me preach the next month and the next month. They put me up every month. And in December, they ordained me and they said, hey, thank you. You, you, you submitted to us. And and uh, next year, 
if if God opens doors for you to speak, if somebody if some people call you and ask you to come speak, you should go take those engagements. You should go speak at other people's churches. And my exact response was, why would anybody ever call me to preach? Like That's just random. I'm not. This not me. This not my life. I don't want nothing to do with this. I'm dead serious. Like I was never like, yeah, give it to me. I want to I want to shake the nation for Jesus. Like, you know, there's some people here. I am. Lord, use me. I was in the back like, yes, Lord, use him. Like I, he's thirsty. Please give him. Let him have it. But but I was always like this reluctant one that he just kept nudging to the front. Because I'm an introvert and I love chilling and nobody believes I'm an introvert. I am, y'all. Y'all need to believe me when I tell you that. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're socially awkward or you don't like people. It just means that you recharge alone. So, so as much as I love y'all, at some point, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> just so I can recharge. I love you. I'm going to come back. But God just kept opening doors, opening doors, opening doors. And then he said, I want you to go to Texas. I was supposed to come visit for a month. And two days before I left, he said, buy a one way ticket to Dallas. And I was like, what? So I went to my parents because they were my pastors as well. And I shared it with them. And and they looked at each other and they looked back at me. And they said, well, listen, baby, we, you don't even belong to us. We were just babysitting you. They said, you belong to the Lord. And I don't want a curse to come upon us because we're trying to keep you from you better go. I was like, you don't want to think about it a little bit more? <laughs> Y'all came to this conclusion that quick? Came to church, God's Way Holiness Fellowship Church, that's the church I got saved in. Came to church uh, that next Sunday, they, they raised an offering for me, they gave me $400, and they bought me a one-way Greyhound bus ticket. I had three suitcases, I got on the bus, and I moved to Texas. And, and for the last, uh, 22 years that I've been in Texas, God has favored me. Now, you know, some people try to analyze your life because they think there's like a formula to obedience and there's no formula to it. You just obey. <laughs> man, wow, man, you, you got to do, whoa, like you. And then you were over here at Potter's house and you were at Gateway and then, wow, you planted a church and now it's growing and God gave you a building. And wow, wow you, you have, wow, you like you're, I'm like, I'm not smart. Well, how did all this happen? He said, buy a one way ticket to Dallas. It's not rocket science. In that one statement was this. In that one statement was my wife. In that one statement was my kids. Because his word is never going to come back void. When it goes out, it is going to accomplish every single thing that it said it was going to do. God has some promises that he has spoken over your life. Stop trying to analyze the sentence and just obey what God is telling you to do. Because whatever he is going to do in your life is wrapped up in the statement that he gave you. God's word lasts forever. <laughs> it lasts forever. I'm just telling you. So when you come to Embassy City Church, come with an expectation 
that God's going to reveal himself to you. I don't care if you're going through the darkest moments of your life. Just walk in and say, God, give me a word. It could come through worship. It could come through the word. It could come at the altar call. As long as I get a word before I leave, the usher could give it to me in the hallway. The greeter can give it to me at the door. But I come into the house of the Lord to get a word from God. It has saved my life. It has changed my life. It has transformed my life. And I don't know another way to live. So I, I stand on it. I believe in it. I rest in it. I find my strength in it. I get bold because of it. My courage comes with it. Good God, I'm trying to, I don't know who I'm talking to, but God's word, I'm telling you, it will change your life. So just come and get it. <laughs> come in here on the weekends and just get his word. Even if it's not for you, anybody ever come in and be like, that word ain't for me this week. Write it down anyway, take notes anyway, because your life could change quick. The Holy Spirit might remind you of a, of a sermon or a series I preached five months ago and be like, hey, remember that thing that wasn't for you and you took notes anyway? Now it's time. And you're like, oh my gosh. Last thing I'm going to say. Anybody ever come in here on the weekend and uh, if I was teaching or anybody else was teaching and it was like right where you were? Like you were like, did somebody tell? Did somebody send a DM? And expose my business? No. God just loves you that much. That, that, that when you come here, he wants to say something to you. He wants to reveal to you what's going on. Okay, I'm going to stop. Bow your heads. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.